Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know medical care requires informed consent, but laws require informed consent. Politics, entrepreneurship, how you engage with your diet, health, exercise, even relationships. These all require a place of being informed. And I am so sick of being called a conspiracy theorist for using my brain and being informed. So that's where this podcast came to life. This is Informed Consent. I'm your host, Brooke Brewer. Let's start talking. Vaccine manufacturers' favorite line is that they are safe and effective. What does safe and effective really mean? When it comes to safety, where is the testing? Where is the placebo? Where is the tests on multiple vax at one time? Where are the tests on ingredients? Why can you not sue manufacturing companies? Where is the liability? When it comes to effectiveness, the intended goal is for you to create an antibody. The mere presence of an antibody is not protecting you from getting sick. You could have high antibodies, but still contract the virus. We're going to talk about many different things. What we're going to talk about is important random facts that you need to know about vaccines before making that decision. These are things that you should be informed on before vaccinating yourself, before vaccinating your children. And again, I'm not saying whether or not you should do that. What I'm saying is you deserved informed consent. And I guarantee you, if you don't know much about vaccines, you might not know this information. And this information is very important to know to help you make an informed decision. Conversations like liability, like safety studies, placebo studies, the test of vaccinated versus unvaccinated children, conflicts of interest, natural immunity versus vaccine immunity. So many important conversations that we are going to run through on today's episode. But before we get into it, let's get into our sponsor for the show today. Collagen is such a hot topic right now being talked about all over the social media world, influencers, and and good. Collagen is so important to you, but knowing collagen, knowing the collagen that you're using and how it's extracted and how it's actually working with your body is so important. Collagen is a protein found in 25 to 30% of the whole body. It's present in our connected tissue, such as our skin, tendons, ligaments, gut, blood vessels, bones, and muscle tissue. It's one of the most common proteins in the body. And and unfortunately, as we age, the natural making of collagen decreases, making it even more important to include it as a supplement in our daily routine. What if I told you that there was a collagen product on the market today that also helps to melt away your fat? I have found a product that not only has patented bioidentical and bioavailable collagen, which basically means it's identical to the human body. So not only do we fully absorb it, but we recognize it. So we actually can utilize it, but it also can burn fat. Trim Collagen from Modir not only includes the daily recommended collagen hyaluronic acid matrix collagen, but it includes CLA 
which is conjugated linoleic acid. This helps to accelerate fat reduction, reduce fat cell line, reduce fat cell formation, improves your muscle tone, boosts your metabolism, helps you burn more calories and promotes lean body composition. I don't know about you guys, but summer is right around the corner and I am working on my beach body right now. And this product has helped dramatically me help burn those fat cells, but also work on that body composition. So if you are wanting to shred some extra fat this summer, while also supporting your body's natural collagen levels, you can try the trim. I personally love the chocolate. It tastes like brownie batter. It is so good. And you can actually try it for $10 off. It's super simple to order. Just simply go to modere.com. That's M-O-D-E-R-E.com and search for trim collagen. Again, my favorite's the chocolate. It tastes like brownie batter, but there's so many other delicious flavors that are all vegan organic, natural, gluten-free, low, low, low sugars, no artificial sugars, no artificial sweeteners, all very, very good ingredients while also tasting delicious. So again, go to modeer.com and search for trim collagen and at checkout use code 4842132 to save you $10 off your first order. We've had many conversations on this vaccine conversation series, as well as throughout this show on the 1986 Vaccine Childhood Injury Act that was passed by Ronald Reagan. We spent a lot of time talking about that, so I don't want to go into detail, but I do want to bring it up because I feel it's very important when we talk about vaccine court. So what happened with the 1986 Childhood Vaccine Injury Act is this took away liability from big pharma. Basically, all companies that can manufacture vaccines are liability free. So you cannot sue vaccine manufacturing companies if you get injured from a vaccine. This happened in 1986. And because of this, they, in this act, A part of the act of removing liability was to create the vaccine court. This is the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. And this is actually a government program that basically you can go to court to try to get money out of a fund to help essentially cover vaccine reaction or vaccine injuries. The problem with this court is it's very, very, very difficult to get into. And we've talked about this at at some extent, but to actually prove in the court of law that you were vaccine injured is so difficult, especially because so many people don't know what to look for when it comes to vaccine reactions, because there's no studies, which we're going to get into shortly. But it's such a shame because you can have a severe reaction and still not be able to get compensated for it through this government program that each and every one of us who pay taxes, pay money into, that's what this fund comes from. And if you believe it, or this vaccine compensation program has paid out over $4 billion and it's dramatically increased since the COVID vaccines have been released. So creating this compensation program was a part of the act of removing liability from pharmaceutical companies for manufacturing this vaccines. This compensation program was created. It's utilized. 
that they've clearly paid out billions and billions of dollars. But again, it's very, very, very difficult to actually get paid out because it's so hard to actually prove that you were vaccine injured, let alone get into court to get that appearance. But what also happened in the 1986 Vaccine Injury Act essentially demanded that Big Pharma and the CDC work together to improve vaccine safety. They were required per this act to work together and essentially report back every two years to show us vaccine safety and to show that they are working to improve the safety of vaccines. Since 1986, not a single person has been able to find a report of any of these meetings and data that's again, demanding that the pharmaceutical industry and the CDC work together to essentially report back every two years. Not a single person has been able to find a report. Are they meeting? Are they hiding something? Pharma says that they are working on safety and they are trying to improve. They claim that but there's been no reports, especially with their CDC that they were told they had to do. There's no reports out there. It's very, very interesting to me. Did you know that there's also a very large monopoly on vaccines? For example, one company makes the measles vaccine, only one company. And not only that, but you cannot take the measles vaccine by itself. We've talked about this in a previous episode. You can only get the measles vaccine in the MMR vaccine, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. And in a lot of vaccine situations, most of the time, vaccine manufacturing companies, there's only one for each vaccine. So you can't tell me this is an interesting financial interest, conflict of interest, or monopoly. When there's only one company creating these vaccines, especially when they don't have liability, what's to them to try to promote safety? They're making the money. They don't have anyone to compete against. And although they're supposed to prove safety and studies, they haven't done that. And they don't have any risk of liability because they're protected under the 1986 Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. Did you know that vaccines are the only product for children that do not have liability against its manufacturing company? Let me say that one more time. Did you know that the only product for children that does not have liability for the manufacturer is vaccines. Going on to the subject of long-term safety research, people who advocate for vaccine education, people who fight for vaccine truth, for just more information on vaccines, I guess you could call them the people that are more hesitant on vaccines, who are just simply demanding for more information, who have been trying to find those reports between the CDC and Big Pharma that we were supposed to be getting, but yet not a single person has found. Along with that idea, there is no long-term safety research. We Again, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but 
There is no long-term safety. You can't study from 20 years from now and see the difference between a vaccinated or an unvaccinated individual. In fact, even that individual who's vaccinated, there is no studies checking in on them 20, 20 some years later to see how they're doing. Most of these studies are just within a few days. In fact, a few hours following the vaccine. Again, they claim that they don't have a single unvaccinated versus vaccinated study that the pharmaceutical industry, that the CDC, the medical establishment has done because it would be unethical. It would be unethical to allow a child, to force a child to be unvaccinated for a study. It is just too unsafe. So let's just not do the study. But what I also find very fascinating is that there is no data to show that it's okay to get 72 doses from zero to 18. There's none. There's no studies on the full CDC schedule by itself. Now, if you do want to know where the studies are coming from, what the studies do is each that each vaccine is actually tested against the vaccine schedule. So basically, let's just take the full vaccine schedule, okay? Let's say right now, not including the COVID vaccine, if you are including vaccines that are given to the mother while she's pregnant, there are 72 doses from zero to 18. So let's say they are studying to see if the COVID-19 vaccine is safe for children. They don't take an unvaccinated child or they don't take a placebo study, which we're going to get into, and test it against the COVID vaccine. What they're going to do is they're going to take a child who has gotten the current schedule of 72 doses and then give a child the full schedule of 72 doses plus the new vaccine that they are trying to test for. And that is how they do the study. So again, they do the study from the current schedule to the current schedule plus the new vaccine. So think about that. If there is any side effects from the current schedule that we're seeing, that's essentially what the new study is getting compared to. The side effects of the new vaccine is compared to the current schedule. You might ask, there's no placebo studies? There's no studies against the unvaccinated. Again, no, there is not. <laughs> I will keep saying that over and over again. There is no studies from vaccinated to unvaccinated individuals. And with that, nobody can fully say that being unvaccinated or vaccinated is better for you. Why? Because there's actually never been a full study done by the medical establishment. Now, there are very small communities and small areas that have done studies and those small studies. In fact, there was a study of over 200 people. I'll link it in the show notes um, of vaccinated versus unvaccinated, but it's so small and it actually had to be a private research because the medical establishment won't do it. And this study did actually show that unvaccinated children were more healthy than vaccinated children. But when it comes down to the true pharmaceutical industry and our government and in the United States, what our studies show, there is technically no study in their eyes that shows vaccinated versus unvaccinated. So no one can really say whether or not it's safe and effective. 
because we don't have that true study. But you ask on the other side and and people who truly, you don't even really fully need to be a, a medical specialist or a medical professional, a doctor, a nurse, anyone to understand placebo studies. We learn in, in, in high school. In fact, we might even learn in middle school. I don't remember now, but I definitely remember learning in high school about placebo studies, about essentially testing somebody who has been given, let's say the vaccine and a saline safety study. So essentially giving someone the vaccine and someone just saline. We do that with pharmaceutical products. We do that with all of our pharmaceutical drugs, we will study them against a placebo effect, which could typically be like a sugar pill or something that is essentially not the drug and the drug to test if it works or not. There's no placebo studies when it comes to vaccine. In fact, there's no double blind placebo studies when it comes to vaccines. And if anyone fully understands this should know that this is the only way that you can make a determination on safety, both short-term and long-term. If you are using an inactive placebo group, that is how you can fully determine safety. And unfortunately, we don't have that study. They don't do that study. When they test a new vaccine coming on the schedule, they will test it against the current schedule. Another thing that they will do for like, let's say the flu vaccine, they won't test the flu vaccine against a placebo study. No vaccines will do that. But what the flu vaccine does is they will test against, they will test this year's flu vaccine against last year's flu vaccine. Some vaccines, actually the Gardasil vaccine use aluminum placebo studies. And this is actually very well documented. So the Gardasil vaccine wasn't tested against a saline placebo. It was tested against an aluminum placebo. How can we essentially prove if it's safe, if the placebo group is filled with aluminum? And then you come to pregnancy. Yet another group that has no long-term safety studies. There is short-term, small, small, small number studies. There is short-term, small, small, small studies on pregnant women, but there's no full long-term studies studying not only the effects of that vaccine on the woman, of the, on the mother, but on the fetus and what injecting that vaccine into mom will do to the fetus, how it will get in to, let's say the umbilical cord or the uterus or the fetus, how that affects the fetus. We don't know because there is no study. Why is it that we can't get these studies? And then why is it wrong that we as consumers question the efficacy and question the efficiency of these products if we aren't getting a study? The medical community, in my opinion, has failed everybody when it comes to vaccines because they won't do these studies. They will sit there and say, that it's unethical to do these studies to put anyone at risk for not vaccinating them. But I know for a fact, there's many people that will take that risk of being a part of that study of unvaccinated versus vaccinated. So we can learn more. 
I think you need to ask yourself, is it really unethical or is there something that they're trying to hide? If they were not fearful, why not test against a placebo, a true, a true saline placebo? Why not do the basics that we learn in high school to test against a placebo? We are continuously adding and adding and adding and adding to the CDC schedule. And that's what we're testing against. That is scary to think about. Oh, someone might develop eczema or someone develops an, a peanut allergy according to the schedule when there was 50 on there. And then we added the 52nd, oh, still eczema and peanut allergies. Well, that's normal because that's the same as the last study. So we're good. No, I, I, I just, I don't think that's right. And maybe I'm crazy, but I know there's many other vaccine hesitant individuals who are fighting for those studies because we all deserve proof. Every parent deserves proof to know if it is actually truly safe to vaccinate their children. Another very interesting thing to talk about is financial conflict of interest. Money can make people do evil things. And I'm not here to bash or to talk bad on a business for trying to make money. Because listen, guys, we live in the free market industry of the United States that's built around building businesses and making money. So of course, naturally, these pharmaceutical companies, et cetera, these doctors, what, whoever they may be, want to earn money. I, I'm not bashing them for trying to make money. What I want to show, though, is there is a huge financial conflict of interest when it comes to vaccines. When thinking about pharmaceutical drugs in general, the average person knows of a situation where there's been actually financial scandals. I mean, take the Sackler family, the opioid crisis, and the huge corrupt financial conflict of interest and and just the corruptness that happened with it being so much more about money than it was our health. Well, did you know the same groups of people that manufacture pharmaceutical drugs make vaccines? So what makes anyone think that vaccine manufacturers are any better than pharmaceutical drugs? In fact, that vaccine manufacturers aren't held liable. Pharmaceutical companies for pharmaceutical drugs are held liable, but vaccine manufacturers aren't. So realistically, we should hold the vaccine manufacturers to a whole different standard and pedestal because they don't have liability. But they're the same people that make the same drugs, that make the same products, drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, and vaccines. When you have institutions that are so heavily tied together is when you start to see a lot of problems. When the media and our educational system and our medical practices and our doctors and our government is all tied together in a very weird way, you have a financial conflict of interest. Did you know that the United States is one of two countries, New Zealand being the other, that actually allows advertisements on the media for pharmaceutical drugs? Yeah, that's not normal. All the commercials on your TV about pharmaceutical drugs and vaccines is not normal. The United States 
is one of two countries that allows that. So not only can these pharmaceutical companies advertise and convince their, and it just constantly being reminded to the parents that they have to get this and to save their child from HIV or cancer, or they have to do these things. And and we just kind of start to get brainwashed a little bit. And it's constantly front of mind reminding us that if we don't do these things, we could be putting our kids at harm. And then when you see these manufacturing companies sponsoring our media, I mean, look at Pfizer. Pfizer sponsors everything now. They're our leading COVID vaccine company. They sponsor the Oscars. They sponsor CNN. They sponsor so many outlets. You can't tell me that's a conflict of interest. There's also many pharmaceutical companies who actually send donations and fund research who also help to write our medical books that is teaching our doctors and our nurses and our medical professionals all from a place of financial gain. What about even legislation in our government? Pharmaceutical industries have their arm in legislation. They are sending donations or they send funding to these people of political power. And because of that, then they have their arm in legislation. These same pharmaceutical companies who have so much financial gain when legislation is passed to, let's say, mandate vaccines. If you're mandating a vaccine and forcing everyone to get it, that's going to be a lot of money for the pharmaceutical industries. So sure, why not send some money and donate to this senator who is very, very willing to push this bill? Again, I'm, I'm okay that they're making money. Like I am not here to say that the pharmaceutical industry is at fault for making money. Cause like, trust me guys, I'm all about business and entrepreneurship and making money. But the problem is, is when it's tied into public health, which makes a huge conflict of interest as well as having no liability. So when you have no liability, but yet you can put money into many different things that's only going to help you grow, what what is there to lose? I mean, really, truly think about it. What is there to lose? When they don't have liability, what is there to lose? And then what about all the vaccine-hesitant parents that come out and share about vaccine injuries that their children have had or maybe that they have had? What about them? What do they have to gain? nothing, literally nothing. The people that talk about vaccines, myself included, we have nothing to gain. In fact, we probably have everything to lose. We lose friends. We lose family members. We lose our social media accounts. We get censored. We get death threats. There has been people in the vaccine hesitant community that have shown up dead. We have nothing to gain by speaking out on the subject, but we do it because we care. We care about the truth. And when you have so much financial ties, it just makes you ask the question of, are these really good for me? Are these really, really essential? Or is it something that is through many, many, many different outlets being pushed for financial gain? Did you know that the pharmaceutical companies are actually allowed to donate money to the FDA? To people in the FDA, and the FDA is actually the ones that approve vaccines. 
Did you know that the FDA people in the FDA are allowed to buy stocks in pharmaceutical companies? Did you know that the CDC, the CDC is who sets the vaccine schedule for children and adults. And the ACIP is actually specifically who decides this. It's a group in the CDC. And members of the ACIP directly hold stock in pharma companies. I mean, do your research on pharmaceutical companies. These individuals even work right with pharmaceutical companies. People that work that are members in the ACIP work right with them. We need a better system of approval. When all this money is tied together, when you have people that are able to buy stocks here and able to have a little bit of pull here and be able to sit in different seats, that to me is so many financial conflicts of interest. And if we really truly want honest, financial free decisions being made, we need a better system of approval where there's no money involved. Again, money in the hands of people who get greedy can do greedy things. Once some people get a smell of money and seeing how much money there is, there is no turning back. And I don't in ways blame them, but again, when public health is at stake, it becomes an issue. Another very important subject wrapping up the idea of financial gains that really triggers a lot of people is pediatricians. Doctors have financial incentives to vaccinate their patients and to vaccinate the children that are in their practice. Pharmaceutical companies and medical insurance companies give doctors bonuses at the end of the year if they have a certain percentage of vaccinated patients. And quite frankly, this isn't typically a small bonus. For a lot of doctors, this can actually be close to 10% of their income. On top of this, doctors do charge money when they vaccinate so they can earn money in that way. And again, that's, that's their business. They have to charge for business. So I'm not shaming doctors for having to charge because that's how a business is ran. But again, when you have these financial interests at the, at the risk of public health, it becomes an issue. When you have these bonuses for having a certain percentage of vaccinated patients, while it might not be consciously present when a doctor is meeting with you, I'm sure in the back of their mind, subconsciously, they are trying to make sure that they get that bonus and work towards that percentage of vaccinated patients. Have you ever heard of a doctor firing a patient or kicking them out of their practice? I have. I know many, many, many people from many different practices who have been quote unquote fired or have been quote unquote kicked out of their practice because they won't vaccinate their children. The doctor has released them as a patient and will no longer allow them to be a patient in their practice. This is very real. And I wonder if it has anything to do with that bonus. Money can do evil things. And if you look at what it has done for the vaccine industry, and if you keep going down the rabbit hole, quite frankly, you'll get a little disgusted. 
seeing how much money these manufacturers can make from vaccines that are supposed to save people, but it's such a booming business. Look at Pfizer. Pfizer in specific reported a 92% operational growth in the full year of 2021 revenues. Pfizer, who is also the FDA-approved vaccine manufacturing company for COVID, reported a 92% financial revenue increase. Hmm. Money has nothing to do with anything. Meanwhile, we're injecting our children that with these, with we are injecting our children with toxic chemicals and horrible antibiotics and horrible ingredients that could potentially be affecting their health, but we wouldn't know because there's no long-term safety studies. And not only are there no long-term safety studies, there's no studies tested against a placebo, saline placebo group. So we truly don't know. The last thing that I want to highlight on today's episode is the difference between natural immunity and vaccine immunity. The now conspiracy theory that our natural immune systems are extremely strong and extremely powerful is something that I want to talk about because the, I guess you could say holistic or the natural or just the trusting in what God gave us approach is let's strengthen the vitality of the patient. Let's train the terrain. Let's train the body to overcome what brings at it and give them the tools in the body to become immune and to fight off germs and to fight off diseases because we have had the tools to strengthen our immune system. When you have natural immunity in your body, you have a more broad spectrum immunity against more, especially mutant viruses. For example, Many of the viruses that we vaccinate for have the potential to mutate. And if you go the vaccine route, you have to be, you have to be lucky that that strain usually lasts. You have to be lucky that that strain of that virus hasn't already mutated. So we are vaccinating someone and and this is very common with the flu, the flu vaccine, which is why we have to get the flu vaccine every single year is because it mutates. And so your body isn't immune to it anymore because it's mutated. So every single year we are inflaming the body. We are causing an inflammatory response, which is a no brainer. This is actually what vaccines are meant to do. They're meant to cause an inflammatory response, but because of that, we inflame our body. And so while we might be creating immunity to the strain Every single vaccine we get, we are affecting our immune system and we are essentially making it weaker in that present moment because it's so inflamed. It's working to fight off these adjuvants. It's working to fight off these antibiotics. And it's, it's working in that bacteria of our gut because of those antibiotics that are in those vaccines on top of trying to fight the vaccine, the virus or the disease that it's vaccinating for. Let me go into a little bit more detail on this. So the immune system consists primary of white blood cells, antibodies, and the lymphatic system. 
White blood cells and lymph circulate throughout our organs, tissues, and cells while simultaneously cleansing them of cellular debris, toxins, and naturalizing pathogens along the way. That's not all. The immune system is beautifully layered and operates at various levels. It is also composed of various lines of defense that a pathogen must encounter so that it can effectively deal with the pathogen. In other words, the body uses multiple filters with while screening for pathogens to make sure anything that is harmful perishes before it can cause an infection. Unless, of course, an infection becomes warranted and the body allows it. What are these various filters? Saliva protects against germs and our skin serves as an armor for our internal organs. The liver is actually our body's supreme filter and purifier and cleanses the body of all type of toxic waste, including chemicals and byproducts from drugs as the blood passes through the organs. There's also excretory organs, just the kidneys and the large intestines and the bowels to get rid of solid waste. When you breathe out, the air you exhale too contains cellular waste, just as your perspiration does. The fact that in order to create natural and real immunity to disease, a pathogen must provoke the complete inflammatory and immune response. This is a complex response that resonates through the body's equally complex immune system. When this happens naturally, the body acquires lifelong immunity to a particular germ. But for this to happen, the pathogen must pass through natural channels from outside to inside. For instance, the pathogen must pass from the respiratory system or through the saliva or the skin, and then other organs involved in filtering it out, such as the mucous membranes, the thymus, the liver, and the spleen. Vaccines in specific do not do this. They actually completely bypass the outside to inside process by being directly injected, therefore failing to provoke the full immune response. By injecting a live virus, parts of a virus, or a dead virus, vaccines trick the immune system into releasing antibodies against a particular pathogen. This is how the vaccine theory, in truthfully honest, is, is flawed. It has been discovered that the immune system is compromised of two parts. While one part is active, it suppresses the other part and vice versa, artificially stimulating one part of the system to produce antibodies abnormally inhibits the other part of the system and thus throws the entire immunological response out of gear. One of the major repercussions of vaccines is that the body sometimes begins to produce antibodies that attack its own cells. This creates autoimmune diseases. Think about how many autoimmune diseases are present today and how many people have not maybe one, but multiple autoimmune diseases. But going away from autoimmune diseases, thinking of injecting the body, an overreaction of the immune system may occur when the body becomes overwhelmed with the sudden appearance of unnatural toxic substances in the blood, such as mercury and antibiotics. Modern medicine conveniently calls these as a healing attempt autoimmune disease, meaning the body attacks itself. In truth, the body has no intention to commit suicide. When thinking about also injecting children with so much in these vaccines is this is when their immune systems are the weakest because they're essentially defenseless because they still haven't grown. I mean, have you heard the concept of a child going to daycare? 
Most of the time, children that start to be present around other people, the first few times get sick because they have to work to build their immune system. So when you are injecting these children with these antigens and these viruses and these antibiotics and these other ingredients, you are just constantly burdening their immune system, not only affecting it, affecting their natural immunity, but weakening their immune system because it's not able to fully work because it's focusing on healing after these vaccines. As soon as the vaccine is administered to anybody's body, that body takes all of its strength to eliminate it. If the child or individual is biologically sensitive or weak, the vaccine may pass through the circular blood-brain barrier and damage the brain cells. Speaking of the idea of immunity, let's talk about herd immunity. This is actually a concept that never used to be tied to vaccines. This was actually a conversation that was discussing natural immunity. And if a certain percentage of the population had gotten this virus or this bacteria, this virus or this disease that the herd was immune, then all of a sudden, again, I've mentioned this before that pharmaceutical industries tend to change their wordings as time goes on, has turned this into vaccine conversations that now herd immunity is a certain percentage of the population being vaccinated. The flaw in this theory and the flaw in this concept is that, again, vaccine immunity versus natural immunity, it is proven that natural immunity is stronger than vaccine immunity. And so by the idea And the theory that if a certain percentage of the population was naturally immune, that everybody was then immune, herd immunity, now changed to a certain percentage is immune, whether it be vaccinated or natural, which we know that vaccine immunity is not as strong as natural immunity. Then during COVID, they completely change us into the idea of straight vaccine immunity. If a certain percentage of the population was vaccinated, that would create herd immunity. They shouldn't be able to just change the science and change these terms from how they were originally written, but they do that and we fall for it. And people don't catch on to that. Just like how now that they are changing children's developmental ages, Did you know that the CDC has come out and released a change of different ages that children should be at for, let's say, talking skills, motor skills, walking? They increased those. Why would they increase them? Were they seeing a dramatic amount of kids having issues with these? Well, wouldn't you think that we should address these issues? Why all of a sudden are these numbers going down? Why are all of a sudden these kids not developing faster or at the pace they have been throughout our years? No, let's just change it. Let's just move the goalpost. So it doesn't look like anything's going wrong. And now what what a kid would be seen as normal, let's say a few years ago, might be considered excelling. No, your kid is just excelling. No, actually your kid just normal but they changed it. And I want to know why, why does the medical establishment, why does our government, why does CDC 
move the goalposts on things? Why do they change terms? Why do they change the idea of herd immunity? Why do they change all of these development, developmental age ranges for children? Why? Are they seeing the health of our children decrease? Are they seeing so many issues? Are they trying to push something? These are questions that we should be asking ourselves. All of these topics, natural immunity versus vaccine immunity, we should be asking ourselves on. We should be talking about the no long-term safety studies. We should be talking about no placebos. We should be talking about conflicts of interest. But once we talk about it, we are shunned. We are shamed. We are called anti-vaxxers. They don't want us to know the answers to this. And I just want to know why. Why is it so important that these companies are not held liable? Why can't we get a report that we were supposed to every two years on vaccine safety? We deserve that. Why do vaccines have an exception of all other products on the market, including pharmaceutical drugs? There's so many more research and information and conversations that we can go to on this subject, but I want to challenge you today to learn more. Is there something that you heard on this episode that you were like, Ooh, I want to learn more on that. Go research it. I include everything in the show notes that I've talked about. The vaccine guide is my favorite because it's so lined out. It's so organized wonderfully. And that is where I've gotten so much of my information as well as my own portfolio that I will include what we talked about in the show notes as I always do. But I am here to help inform you because sadly we aren't being fully informed. And it's a shame because we deserve that. We deserve to know why we are injecting our kids with aluminum when there's no safety studies to prove that it's safe or why we have to follow the CDC schedule when no vaccine manufacturing company on that schedule is held liable. If they were held liable, maybe they would perform those safety studies. Do you really think that they are trying to make sure they have the safest products on the market if it truly doesn't matter for their financial interest? They can't get sued. These are all questions that we should be allowed to ask. And I challenge you to ask them. It's been such an honor to share more information on vaccine with you guys. And as always, please share this with a friend or anyone that you know may need this specific episode or the specific series. Again, I don't do this to gain anything. In fact, I probably have lost followers and it's, it's hard. It's a hard conversation to talk about. And sometimes I wish I didn't have such a big heart to want to share this with you guys, but I do because for myself and my family, as well as the people that I love and, and the people that I know, I don't want anyone to ever have that situation where they say, I wish I knew more and I wish I knew more, but I don't know how to learn more. And I get it. I know this conversation on vaccines is hard. I know it's hard to research. It's hard to know what to learn. It's hard to know what to talk about. And that's why I do this because I feel that I've spent so many hours and hours and hours researching that I wanted to put it together and help you guys know where to get started. So moving forward in the vaccine conversation series, the long awaited conversations on specific viruses and diseases that we vaccinate for. And if it's important and truly, if it's important to get the vaccine or not, 
what the risks are of these diseases are for our health and what we can outweigh the vaccine or natural immunity on. So it's going to get really, really good. And I think these are very important. So I hope you learn a lot. And as always, please throw me a rating and review if you appreciate this episode, because that is how we fight the ongoing censorship that happens. And with that, I will leave you guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you next Wednesday with a new episode of our vaccine conversation series. 